If you are wondering how to make sense of everything that's happening in the world right now as it relates to your finances and perhaps your financial future, maybe your retirement, we hope to provide some answers with today's conversation. In a few moments, you're going to hear Michael Sorrentino, CIO of Elevated Capital Advisors, on a conference call going through some key questions. He's going to answer four questions. One, what's being reported in the news? Number two, what's not being reported much in the news? Number three, what are we doing to address the volatility? And number four, what aren't we doing or aren't we going to do about it? Michael will address the situation in Russia, talk about how any of this is going to impact spending in the U.S. and in a broader scale, and talk about the odds of another world war and that they are infinitesimally small. So here's Michael to provide some helpful data and perspective. Okay, everybody. Hi, Mike Sorrentino here. Thank you for taking the time. I know this is a last-minute call. We normally don't like to do these, but, you know, look, sometimes uh, the market moves in ways that we don't like, and it's better to just kind of jump on a, on a call and kind of talk through what we're seeing, what we're doing about it, uh, if anything, and then uh, from there talk about uh, uh, kind of the next steps. So uh, there's basically uh, four questions that I'm going to try to answer on our call today. Uh, the first, and we're going to start off with, is what's not being reported right now in the news, okay? Then the second question is what is being reported, all right? That might be a sound like we're doing that out of order, but there's a reason for that. The third question is what are we, do what are, what are we doing about it? And then the fourth is what aren't we doing, okay? So I'm going to try to address a lot of stuff here in a short amount of time. If I miss anything, I'll do my best to re include it back in our, our regular scheduled Friday call at 4.30 p.m., so let's get into it. So, uh, yeah, a lot of volatility. There's no question about that. And uh, we've, we've, I've written a little bit about some of the catalysts for the volatility since the beginning of the year. If you remember our State of the Markets uh, webinar that we had back in January, early January, uh, my kind of theme for 2022 was setting realistic expectations. And I think a big portion of, of why I kind of thought of that tagline was because we are – in the process of returning to a more normal environment, uh, the, the sugar high that we've been on for the past almost, you know, call it 18 months now, almost 22 months, uh, was going to end, or we, at least we thought it was. And that the timing of that happened quite, quite quickly. And when, when I think about where we are today, the S&P 500 is corrected, okay? So when I talk about a correction, I wrote about this a few weeks ago. A correction is a drop from a peak of 10% or more. Okay, a bear market is a drop of 20% or more. Generally speaking, corrections are a very common thing. You tend to see them quite regularly. They average to be about an annual event or close to an annual event. Uh, they also tend to not last very long. Corrections on average only last a couple weeks, sometimes maybe a month or two, three months, somewhere in that range, and then they just kind of go away. And by the way, they don't just go away overnight. Okay, stocks go up in escalators and down in elevators. So... The, the challenge with corrections is you feel them because when they happen, they hit you hard, but the recovery, you barely notice until it's over. And that's the key thing about a correction, and that's why they're so tricky to try to trade through. And I'll get into strategy in just a few minutes. So we are in a correction in the S&P 500, uh, but what you notice on a, in, in an intraday basis, I almost never watch the market on a daily basis because you don't get a lot of information. But I've been doing it lately because I'm just trying to get a sense of some of the volatility and, and what could be happening. And it's interesting because you see a lot of craziness. I mean, we're talking about 
up a percent, down two percent, even all of this stuff before lunch. And when you tend to see stuff like that, it tells me that the fundamentals are not driving stock prices. Okay? Because if you think about it, fundamentals like cash flow, revenue, earnings, things of that nature, that is, that is fueled by economic activity. Okay? We go out and spend money on the economy, things of that nature. So the economy, or the U.S. economy, is enormous. It's 22, 23 trillion in size. So it's like an oil tanker. When it, when it moves, of course corrections, they take a very, very long time. Okay? You don't see the economy really run around like a speedboat. So when I see stock prices acting like a speedboat, that tells me something other than fundamentals are driving stock prices. And there's no really only one other thing that could drive a stock price. If it's not the fundamentals, then it's what we call the valuation, okay? what people perceive the value of that company to be. The valuation is very heavily emotionally driven. Okay? It's how we feel at any given day, whatever it might be. Okay? So like Russia right now might be causing us to think differently than maybe some other time. So because of that, because of that, we have to think about, from an investment strategy standpoint, what does this change in sentiment, what does this change in volatility really mean for the long run? And if it's emotionally driven, emotions, generally speaking, don't last all that long. And we're going to talk a lot about that as we go forward. Okay? So that's kind of the backdrop for our first question. What's not being reported in the news right now? Because I think we already know what is being reported. Russia, rising interest rates, inflation. We'll talk about that in just a second. Okay? Because what's being reported right now is easy. What's being reported keeps people hooked on CNBC and Fox Business News and all these other uh, outlets on, online. What's not being reported is boring. This is getting shoved behind page eight behind the obituaries right now. All right? The first thing that's not being reported on is retail sales. All right, so the U.S. economy is 70% consumer spending, 70%. You added business spending, that's 88% of our economy. So our economy grows when we're doing what we do best, what Americans do best to spend money, okay? So retail sales right now was up 3.8% in January. I know that number means nothing to most people except for somebody like a geek like me, but that's a big number, okay? That's a really, really healthy retail sales number. And the reason why I like that retail, it's the highest number we've had since March of last year. So call it, you know, nine or ten months. Now the reason why I like this number more than March of 2021 was because back in March of 2021, people were getting checks in the mail. Okay? The government was paying people not to work. That created an artificial sugar high of sorts, and that is not a healthy thing for the economy in my opinion. Okay? What I like to see is that people go to work, they get a paycheck, and they make money, and then they go spend that money. To me, that's way healthier. And that's the reason why I like the 3.8% in January or the current retail sales numbers because it does two things. One, it shows that the economy is growing. It is. It might not be growing like last year, but last year wasn't real. Secondly, it shows us that we're growing on more fundamentally driven sales versus checks in the mail. Now, there might be some hangover effect from the checks in the mail. I'll get to that. But my point here is that the economy is good right now. It's really good. Okay? I know there are hurdles, and we're going to talk about some of the problems as we go forward. But when I look at the underlying data, it's strong. Look at the earnings reports. All right, now, this is something that's really interesting that's happening in the market right now. If a company is missing earnings expectations, it's getting crushed, absolutely decimated. I'm talking about PayPal, Facebook, all these different companies that are down anywhere between 20 and 50 or 60% in a matter of months. These are healthy companies that have good prospects, that had good earnings reports, that have strong futures. 
Some of these are legalized monopolies, and they're getting crushed. When I see stuff like this, again, I go back to the saying, okay, well, this is probably a sentiment shift. This is probably an overreaction. Now, were some of these companies too expensive? Were the valuations too high sometime in the past? Probably. I mean, we could debate that, but I'll, I'll concede that a lot of these companies probably had valuations that were a little too high. But my point is this reaction is very, very typical. If you study markets and study human behavior as much as, uh, as we have here at Darwin, it's like our hobby here, we've seen this before so many times. These overreactions happen so often. And when I look at the earnings, let's go back to the earnings. A good example yesterday, Home Depot has great earnings, great. Their revenue was up nicely. Their forward forecasting looked great. Their earnings were fine. And by the way, they increased their dividend by 15%. Stocks down 8%. You can't be serious. Come on. This to me, and again, I'm not giving a stock advice here. I'm not giving investment advice. My point here is that's indicative of the trends that are going on right now. That's indicative of the behavior that we are seeing right now. Home Depot is a company worth watching, in my opinion, whether you own the stock or not. Because Home Depot, it, to me, is a barometer of the health of the economy in many ways. I call it the second derivative of the housing cycle. All right? Because the first, the, kind of the first phase of the housing cycle is people go out and buy homes. And then guess what? Once they start making more money, once the home prices go up and their equity value, they feel more confident about their future, they feel like they want to invest in their homes, even though I don't think a home should be an investment, what do you, do, what do you think they do? They go out to Home Depot and they buy wood and nails. And I'm not a home home improvement guy, I don't really know what they do, but like they go and spend money at Home Depot and they make their house look prettier, okay? So Home Depot is an important company in my opinion because it's a barometer for a lot of the economic activity, but also how people perceive their wealth and their, their current uh, uh, net worth as an individual. Why would you invest in something unless you had confidence in it, okay? So when I think about Home Depot's earnings, it tells me it's yet another data point in the earnings that I've been watching over the last couple of weeks here, all right? And it's the broad trends, in my opinion, have been revenues are growing. They're not growing like they were a year ago, but they're growing. Earnings are doing great. Margins and profitability for companies that have pricing power, okay, that are dealing with this inflation, they're passing along to their customers, and it, your customers are not balking yet, okay? So I'm seeing good earnings trends right now. They're really good. Now, they're not perfect because nothing ever is perfect, but I think overall they're looking pretty good. And I'm listening to what the CEOs are saying, okay? The CEOs of companies like Home Depot yesterday who said, business looks great. We're very, we're very excited about the next year or something to that nature. Marriott's CEO, okay? Marriott basically said travel is back and in a big way. And that brings me to another key point. If you think about the shift that is occurring right now, all right, rewind the clock about a year ago. When we were at home, we weren't allowed to leave in most of the country. You couldn't leave your house or maybe a year and a half ago, whatever it was. What do we do? Well, we jumped on Netflix, we watched a bunch of movies, and we went to our Amazon member, Prime memberships, and we bought a bunch of stuff. Why? Because the government was giving us money. Our stock portfolios were going up. We had money to burn, and guess what? We had nowhere to burn it. That was a problem. So what did we do? We bought stuff. We bought stuff online. We started renovating our homes. Uh, we started buying refrigerators, all the used cars, all these different things. It was just stuff because we didn't know what to do with all this money. But that's not how our economy usually works. The U.S. economy is very heavily dependent upon services. It's predominantly a services-based economy. So when you think about what's happening right now, 
is that people are saying, wow, this inflation might make me think twice about buying a refrigerator or whatever, but maybe I want to go on a vacation. Okay? Maybe I want to go to some fancy resort. It's cold outside. I want to get back to living my life a little bit. Okay? This has just begun. Okay? This shift back to a services-based economy is starting right now. Okay? And that's a very important fact that I think that people are missing right now is that the spending that could be unleashed on our economy over the next year and a half, I think, is still being understated. Currently, U.S. Uh, American consumers, American citizens have $2.5 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars in excess savings in their bank accounts. That is e- an enormous number. I've never seen a number like that before, and I've been looking at this data going back to World War II. On a per capita basis, we've never seen anything like this. And it's not just the rich. The bottom 50% of our country in terms of wealth, we, they've seen their net wealth, their, their household wealth, increase by 75% in two years. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. So when I think about the economy right now, when I think about the risk of a recession, and I see all this data coming in, I really have a hard time wrapping my head around how this is bad or how the, the, the activity we're seeing right now in the stock market is somehow correlated back to the economy. That being said, Let's go into what is being reported. What's being reported right now? Obviously, Russia. Let's start there. Look, geopolitical crises happen all the time. This is just yet another one. And this is one, by the way, that has been going on since 2014, arguably longer than that. So it's eight years of fighting, and it's just getting escalated right now. Now, the reason why I bring that up is that if you go back and look at the data, which I have, which will be in my weekly piece that I sent out on this Friday, geopolitical crises like these tend to impact markets for a very brief time period, and they go away very quickly. The reason for that is they just get boring. So i got to sit there and say, okay, will history repeat itself this time? And I think it will, and here's why. I said earlier, the U.S. economy is 88% consumer and business spending. So if you think a recession is going to happen in this country because of Russia and Ukraine, then you got to ask yourself, seriously ask yourself, how is Russia invading Ukraine going to get you to stop going out to dinner with your spouse? Or how is it going to stop you from paying for your kid's college? Or whatever it might be that you're doing with your money, right? Because that's what drives our economy. So if you really think a recession and a true long market sell-off, I'm talking years-long sell-off is going to happen, a deterioration in the economy is going to happen because of Russia and Ukraine, you've got to ask yourself, how is that going to cause people to stop spending money? Because if you can't answer that question, then in my opinion, you can't get to this idea that Russia and Ukraine is going to somehow materially impact the U.S. Now, could it incentivize China to go ahead and invade Taiwan? Maybe. I don't know. I think the odds of that are extremely low, personally. But, I, would, I mean, who knows? Politicians sometimes don't make rational decisions, right? But that would be a very, very bad idea on China's part, and I don't think they're willing to take that type of geopolitical risk at this point. But you never know. Rising interest rates, another one. There's another fear out there. I've written extensively about this. Rising interest rates are a good thing for stocks. Now, in the near term, typically after you, when you see a rate hike cycle from the Fed, the first three months after the first rate hike is a 50-50 shot, the coin toss, either the market's up or down. Looks, I don't know, maybe the market will be down for us. But 100% of the time, a year later, the market has been up by an average of 11%. That goes back, the data goes back 45, 50 years, somewhere in that range. Okay? So my point here is that there tends to be some volatility about rising interest rates when they start, but 
the Fed is not going to rise interest rates unless the economy is strong. It's just that simple. And if you look over history, generally speaking, stocks have done incredibly well during periods of rising interest rates. It's only at the very end. It's at the end of a rate hike cycle when we got to worry. Okay? And I don't know when that's going to be. All right? My guess is that we don't have to worry about that this year or next. But at some point, the Fed's probably going to screw up because that's what they do. They always screw up. All right? And we're going to have to deal with that. All right? We're going to manage that to a certain degree. But right now, we're going from zero interest rates to 0.25%, 25 basis points. It's barely anything. And when I think about inflation, right now, I'm looking at the spending patterns of consumers, and the only thing I'm seeing right now is what I said earlier. People are spending less on goods, or they're about, it looks like they probably are starting to spend less on goods, and moving that spending to services. All right? That's not a bad thing. That's, that's fine. And there are some people that are looking at prices right now saying, what is going on? You know, prices for everything are going up right now. And they're complaining about it. And guess what they're doing? They're still paying for it because of what I just said earlier. They've got a ton of cash sitting in the bank. Okay? So there's a huge built-in buffer to inflation right now that in prior cycles of inflation, we haven't really seen like this. And is it going to last forever? No. I don't know how long it's going to last. But my point here is that inflation is a problem if you don't protect against it. And the best way to protect against inflation is what we've been doing in our portfolios since June of 2020. And that is looking for companies, in my opinion, that have very strong pricing power. Okay? Because if I'm Chipotle, for example, and my prices are going up, and I know people like to wait in line for my burritos, if I raise my prices because my avocados are going up in price, then I preserve my profitability. Okay? So it's not just buying every stock out there. It's hopefully looking for those stocks with pricing power. Now, is that going to protect you against the near-term volatility? Absolutely not, okay? Because when it comes to emotions, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to what's going on right now. But when I think about long-term, will it protect against long-term inflation? Will you see the profitability? Yeah, I think so, and I feel pretty good about that. So inflation right now is a hurdle. It's a problem. But well, I'll tell you right now, running the cash doesn't solve that problem, all right? Because if you sit in cash right now, you're just losing money safely. So to recap, if you think anything in the news right now, rising interest rates, inflation, whatever it might be, if you think any of that is going to cause a recession, again, the question you need to ask yourself from a first principles approach is, how is this, whatever this event, crisis, whatever it is, how is this going to get people to stop spending money? That's the question you have to ask. That's the question I ask myself. All right, what are we doing? So three things I want to talk about here. First, believe me. And it sounds like I'm optimistic. It sounds like I'm bullish because I am. I am bullish. I'm not as bullish as I was a year ago because a year ago, my job was easy. The Fed basically said, look, we're not going to let anything fall apart. So I could have taken a vacation for a year. I didn't do that, but I probably could have. All right, this year is different. This is more of a normal year in many ways. So right now, I am bullish. I sit there and say, wow, there's a lot of opportunity. A lot of stocks have been selling off for no reason, no fundamental reason, that is. And if I could be a little patient, this looks like a really good opportunity, probably the best opportunity I've seen since March of 2020. The problem is, is that we're fully invested. I wish we had a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines, but we don't operate like that. Because cash sitting on the sidelines, in my opinion, on the long run, is a bad idea at this part of the economic cycle. We're in an economic expansion right now. Okay, I'll give you an example. Let's use the NASDAQ, which is down the most of major indices this year. I don't know where it is right now. Let's say it's down 12%. I forgot. All right? That might be the case, but over the last two years, it's up like 46%, 44%. So what am I going to do? Sit on the sidelines, wait for things like this to happen? It's too much of a risk. 
I would have lost out on a, on, on a gain in the index. And that's the reason why. Like I look right now and I say, man, it'd be lo- I'd love to be able to deploy 10% cash into the market, but I can't because we're in economic expansion. Things look good right now from a fundamentals perspective. And when you see things looking good like this, you want to make sure that you're invested so you don't miss the upside. Okay? The second thing, the way we invest, okay, this business is about anticipating the anticipation of others. All right? It sounds redundant, but it's true. If people want to do something, you've got to do it before they do, otherwise you're going to miss. So a lot of times when we start making our moves, we do two things. One, we start early. Two, we go very slow, what I call migratory investing. Migratory investing is important. It's very important because, two, you, one, it could be wrong, or two, you could be early. Like I said, we try to be early, so that's the reason why we go slow. The best example I can give you, a near-term example, like I said, go back to June of 2020. We started talk, writing a lot about inflation, about how the, the way they were, writing, they were printing money was just going to – it had to cause inflation, but we didn't know when it was going to happen, all right? So we started saying, okay, by the end of that year, we started making some adjustments in our portfolio. Yes, some of the stocks we own, but I think more importantly on the bond side, on the fixed income side, we started doing things like shorting duration, which is geeky, but it meant to say that we felt that there wasn't much more opportunity in the bond markets. We started adjusting that side of the portfolio. We started doing all these things in preparation for inflation, not really knowing when it was going to show up. All right? It ended up being a good call at the right time, but ultimately we were still a little early on that call, but that's the way we invest. Right now, when you think about rising interest rates, for example, well, what are we doing about rising interest rates? Well, we've been planning for rising interest rates for a while. What we're not going to do is overnight take a major shift in allocation because, again, like I said at the beginning of this call, the economy doesn't work that way. The economy moves slowly. Things happen over time. So what I want to do is I want to be in front of that oil tanker just a little bit. If I'm riding around a speedboat, I'm probably going to miss something, and I don't like missing things. So when I think about... uh, where we are right now, what, what are we doing now? We're still looking for stocks with pricing power, okay? That's a very, very important component right now. I don't want to own stocks that I feel don't have pricing power. We're seeing a lot of this shift out of quote-unquote growth stocks into quote-unquote value stocks, all right? Now, we own both growth and value. I don't see the reason to pit one versus the other. They both have, their, uh, they both have a home in most of our portfolios. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to sell stocks that have very strong pricing power to dump them into Stocks that don't have good pricing power simply because they have low valuation, okay? Because a lot of times stocks are cheap for a reason. So we're looking for stocks with pricing power. We're avoiding, uh, to a degree, interest rate sensitive investments that we feel that are already priced too high. This has to be more on the bond side. Again, we're all talking about stocks right now, but look at the bond market this year. The bond market's down like 3.8%, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, okay? That is a serious move in like six or seven weeks or whatever it's been, or two, eight weeks for the year. Now, you don't see the bond market move like that very often. And then we're making – a third thing we're doing uh, is making adjustments based on fundamentals, okay? Now, this is something like I wish you could say this is new, or, but we're doing this all the time, okay? When I, I guess my point is we're, we're focusing more on cash flow news right now. We're looking for opportunities. If we're seeing uh, shifts in the economic cycle, okay, we're in an economic expansion, but that doesn't mean that all, all sectors are equal. So we are making adjustments when we see fit based upon – where uh, we feel that opportunities from not just a valuation perspective, but also from, uh, the, from a consumer perspective, like I said earlier, we're shifting from goods to services. So we're going to want to see some type of adjustments along the way to accommodate those types of uh, adjustments in consumer spending. 
All of these different things are going on as we speak. And I'm going to finish with what we aren't going to do. Okay, I want to be very clear about this because, look, there's a multiple ways you can make money in this business. Okay? You can make money day trading. You can make money uh, picking stocks. All those different things that people say you can't do. Look, I've, I've worked in this business for a long time. I know people that day trade and do very well. Okay? So I want to make sure that you understand what we, the type of investors we are because we are very focused on fundamentals. We're very focused on long-term opportunities. And when I mean long-term, I'm not talking about 10 or 20 years. Okay? I'm looking out and I'm making this up, call 18 months or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, shorter depending upon the opportunity and the time frame. That being said, what we aren't going to do is try to time the emotional component of the market. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know why markets are moving the way they are. Okay? If people tell you they know, they don't. They're lying or they're guessing. Okay? I'm just going to be upfront with you. I think I know what's going on. It makes sense that Russia and Ukraine would cause volatility. It makes sense that adjusting for a rising interest rate world makes sense. But there's a lot of things that don't make sense right now. Okay? You know, you're looking at certain companies, and again, not investment advice, but this is like Facebook. Facebook is a legalized monopoly that generates tens of billions of dollars in cash flow a year. All right? It's gotten hammered. Its forward earnings multiple, uh, uh, P-E ratio is at 14 times right now. Next year's earnings. That's really low. Okay? You look at PayPal. PayPal's multiple is probably the lowest I've seen in been in years. You sit there and kind of scratch your head over this stuff. Why is it happening? I don't know. People are overreacting. Maybe it's because people are, are, are taking profits. Okay? People are looking for a reason to sell because they made so much money over the last two or three years that they're looking to ring the register for any reason whatsoever. But then they've got to figure out how to get back in those stocks. And that's a really, really difficult thing to do. All right? The other reason why we're not trying to time the emotional component on the market is corrections, as I mentioned earlier, tend to be very short-lived and well, short-lived outside of recessionary times. So my, again, tying this all together, I don't think we're in a recession right now. I don't think we're anywhere close to a recession. So when I think about these types of corrections, I tend to think that they probably won't last. And if I don't think they're going to last, the one thing I don't want to do is to react to them. Okay? I don't want to run to cash. That's another thing we're going to do is run out and run to cash. That's not a strategy we employ right now. Now, there are times when it, sense, it does make sense to get very defensive from a fundamental perspective. There's no question about that. All right? March of 2020 was a good example. They just don't have them often. They really don't. Okay, so when I see stuff like this right now, I, I'm, I'm looking at the indicators that I tend to look at to see if a recession is imminent or if we're moving in that direction, and I can't find a single one that's telling me that we've got to worry right now. So we're not going to run to cash. That's not how we invest money here. There's no evidence whatsoever of a recession. So with that, we're coming up on 30 minutes. I didn't want to go any longer than that. I just, like I said, I wanted to touch base with everybody, give you an idea of what's going on, Okay? The summary is, is that the economy is growing. The economy is strong. I do think that we are seeing an emotional reaction to a couple of events that are happening right now that, generally speaking, these emotional reactions in our uh, estimation, based on being in this business for a while, tend to not last very long. So I don't want to react too, too much to the emotional component of the market, but at the same time, we've got to realize that things are changing. This is not 2021. And in doing so, we are making adjustments to the portfolio slowly to accommodate the world that we're about to live in, okay? A world of rising interest rates, a world of inflation higher than it's been in 40 years, uh, a world where consumers have so much cash sitting in their bank accounts that it's almost even hard to quantify, all right? That's what we're focusing on, and we're making adjustments along the way. So with that, I want to thank everybody so much for taking the time to be on this call today. Thank you for your continued support. And let's all hope for the best.
Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisors.